Really? I love you, but I can't fucking stomach you. I'm the eldest boy! Is he in there? Welcome to Suck 10. And around here, we usually break down new episodes of Succession in roughly 10 minutes. But we're fresh out of new episodes, so... I mean, we have options. Sure. You could all ask for uh, morphine so you can stay in your painless fucking fantasy world where uh, the orchids dance and uh, the company is run by a magical fucking unicorn. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie G. Esquire the Fifth, owner of a ludicrously capacious bag. I mean, how else can I carry all this money around? I'm here with Magna Mills to give our overall thoughts on Succession as a series. Mills, sadly it's over. We're never going to get another episode. Well, should never say never, but we're probably not going to get another episode. But you'll be happy with what we got, right? Woof, woof. So here we go. I am Magna Mills. This is Suck 10. Find us wherever you get your pods on YouTube. Search for Suck 10. That's S-U-C, the number one, the number zero. Presented by regular Dudes Watch Stuff. Find us on social media at Dudes Watch Stuff again, wherever you get your pods and on YouTube. And please, don't forget the flaps. Even a drunk pilot remembers that. Follow, like, and please subscribe. Helps people find our show. We appreciate it. If you had fun, you enjoyed yourself, just click that thumb. Helps us. Makes you feel good about yourself. You help somebody out. We really appreciate it. Please and thank you. We do have to let you know that this is 100% a full-on spoiler show. Literally every single thing about Succession is up for discussion here. Seriously, every single thing. Even that Disgusting Brothers fan fiction that you pretend that you haven't read and spent hours Googling. It is all in play. This is your first and final warning. Yeah, yeah, man. You let people Google themselves. That's what you do in your privacy of your own home is fine. I mean, it's like Charlie Kelly after he broke the, the Boggs record, right? It's like, what do now? Well, we Google ourselves, but then shortly thereafter, we schedule our grief. However, let's rewind back to the pilot episode and take it from there. Do you guys remember what your overall thoughts were about the pilot when you first saw it, Mills? What about you? I remember it. You know, I've seen it a few times now, most recently, probably right before uh, season four started. And I just remember like, wow, these people are assholes. That was my main takeaway is, is this is fun, but where does it go from here? And I mean, it gives you the great ending, right? Of uh, Logan having the stroke in the, in the helicopter or whatever like that. It kind of really sets you up for like, all right, here it comes. And I think it, you know, when I first saw it, I, it wasn't, when it came out, it was probably maybe when season two was going on or something like that. And I tried to get into it and it was a good pilot. I think the pilot is probably the strongest of the, uh, the first part of season one there for the most part, definitely got me hooked, but it wasn't like a, a game of Thrones level pilot, you know what I mean? Or lost or something like that where you just watch it and you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. It, it wasn't quite, you know, like that, but it was, it was worth a Google. I would agree with kind of, it wasn't in the echelon of, you know, those, those bigs that you mentioned, but I just remember Ken, like getting hyped up in the morning, little East coast, New York rap, doing a little box in the back then the of the car, seat. right. He was in the car, right. Was that? Yes. Like that was just such a great scene as he's like getting hyped up and really, you know, you kind of, you gotta, you gotta hand it to Jeremy strong, man. The dude brought it all the way through from, from episode one, all the way to the final episode. Um, I remember that, but then you also remember, wow, these people are just terrible human beings, but I think there was enough intrigue there for me to be excited about, episode two and be excited about what what this show might you know might come of it and i remember also being surprised that that logan went down he really didn't 
I didn't necessarily see it coming. Looking back, maybe it's, you know, uh, a little more obvious or a little bit more like, yeah, they, they probably needed to do that, wanted to do it. It opened it up to start the succession thing right about the bat. But they had already kind of started the succession thing because if you remember, that was supposed to be Ken's day. Ken was supposed to be announced as the next guy. So it was already kind of in motion. That just was the, the first curveball of, what ends up being, you know, hundreds of curveballs, but I, it surprised me and kind of took me back just a little bit when it happened when Logan goes through that. But you know, I just I I think that there was enough there to call this definitely a successful uh, pilot. And I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention that cousin Greg was a fairly big part of the pilot, and he was basically our entry point. It's kind of the regular dude, quote unquote, going into this world. What did he like? Get high in his mascot costume and puked or whatever. So then he's yes. going to go to bank for a job and that's kind of, and then he starts ping ponging, you know, around between everybody. And it was interesting because while he was definitely still rich and stuff, he was definitely closer to us than any of these people are. So that was kind of a way, you know, again, a good entry point into the world. Let's just kind of move into season one in general. You know, when you think about it, excluding maybe the pilot in the finale, we'll get to that. You know, what jumps out at you? I explicitly remember when Logan, or excuse me, when Kendall was going to give the big speech or whatever, and then Logan found out, and so that he went and gave the the speech himself and kind of fucked Kendall over. When I say season one, other than the the season finale, kind of what what do you think of? Well, for season one, definitely when um, that that episode, I think it might be episode six, where Kendall is attempting to get a note, you know, um, uh, basically a, a coup. And cast a no vote on the on the board and he can't get to the board meeting. There's all the crazy traffic. And he like gets out of the car and runs down the tunnel and he's trying to get there. And you know, you gotta it's a 40-minute elevator ride. Like it, it just I love the suspense and stuff there. And he ended up missing it, missing one of his windows to really like he had it. Had he been able to get there, I think he could have maybe actually pulled that off. And that was that was kind of cool. But as they just did such a great job of building that tension uh, throughout the episode as he was trying to get there. And in the end, he couldn't. So that one great, definitely great call because I remember the boardroom side of the scene, but I had forgotten about Kendall being stuck and it's all happening over the phone. And that's yeah. Roman was supposed to be on his side. And then Logan basically strong arms him. And had he been there to maybe protect Roman, you're right. Maybe Roman would have gone the other way. And that episode is an interesting parallel to the series finale when we get that other board meeting. And now it is Kendall strong arming Roman to be on his side, even though he didn't look like he really wanted to be. And then, you know, Shiv's the the one kind of in the Logan role this time. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. It really came back full circle on that one. Yeah. And he's, you know, Ken's losing, losing cell phone service, like really good, uh, really good episode, man. So that, that definitely stands out. And Stewie was your boy, right? And he was with K-Dog on this. Like, is, is Stewie your boy? Am I remembering that right? So any thoughts? I like Stewie. I, I did like Stewie at the beginning and he, you know, he was on, he was with K-Dog and, uh, they, they kind of had this plan, right. To, to, to get a no confidence vote against Logan and, I think it would have worked. He 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 had he, look. He had Frank. Anytime you got Frank on your side, you got a chance. He had Frank here, man. Frank knows which ways the wind the wind is blowing. You know he's a he's an old head like that. He's got to figure it out. The other thing that I definitely remember is like when Kendall just goes off the wagon down in Mexico or whatever, and just gets he start doing meth, right? He smoke yes. crack, maybe even like he just starts doing all the drugs. This is kind of an experiment. <laughs> There we go. 
Like this is a dude who, when he, you know, he doesn't just, uh, you know, smoke a joint and uh, have a little whiskey or something. I mean, he just went full in. And it's always fun to see him because he thinks he is like a regular person, kind of. And the way he interacts with regular people, it's like, you know, he's an actor playing a guy who's acting like he's one of these regular people. And it's always just so much fun to watch. Yeah, it it, it definitely is. Um, obviously, we get Shiv's political stuff. I think that was really cool um, with her heading down to D.C. And then, of course, her affair with Nate. Uh, not anything groundbreaking there, but I, th- I think it started to lay the groundwork for some of the poli- like the way that this family can control politics to a large degree or influence politics to a large degree so i think that was kind of cool and kind of early foreshadowing there there's two kind of big runners that go almost throughout the series or at least for a while from here the first one is the cruises scandal that's more of a back burner thing here we hear about it but nothing kind of really happens it's all machinations with greg was supposed to destroy the papers right and he copied them and then he tells tom and so there's kind of a little bit of of seeding here really it's not like a plot line that matures in this season and the other one is the big one and that's the death of andrew dodds that's the waiter at the wedding kendall goes with to try to get coke or whatever and they put the car in in the drink and dude drowns and then that's how logan gets kendall to back down basically is by covering that up for him and you get that great scene that you're my number one boy when he hugs him or whatever and yeah thoughts on that not really being as big of a deal as it seemed like it was going to be. I think a lot of people were waiting for the death of Dodd to come back up in the finale. And while Shiv mentions it, it's really like an afterthought. I don't think it was why she did things one or the other. I mean, it's kind of weird that he denies the confession then at that point, but I don't know. Did you think something more was going to come of this? Did you like how it was handled ultimately? I think it was okay. I mean, they kind of, look, they used it. They let it run its course. You know, Logan used it as kind of a way to control Ken and also ultimately get Ken to take the blame. And that's what pushed him over the edge he, up until that point where, where, where he basically asked Ken to take the fall for him and go to jail up until that point, from this moment of Dodd's death to then Ken was in complete, whatever his dad said he did. I, I mean, he was basically a dog and yeah. Like when they pull him right out of rehab after like 48 hours, right at the beginning of season two, like, no, nope, yep. Logan needs you. It worked enough. I always thought it would be something more um, than what it was. But I think they they let it run its course to, a, to where I think it was pretty effective, it, it basically as a tool for, for Ken to fall in line. Yeah, I think that all tracks. Uh, anything else you can think of from season one before we move on to season two? Just the fact that I remember being really excited about season two and just, again, right off the bat here in season one, we saw some great writing, great dialogue, um, a bunch of hilarious quotes, and you realize that the show has a, a comedic element to it that it's not billed as a comedy, but it is funny, and I think they did a good job in that se- in all seasons, but season one, definitely. The irony of it all, by the end, it was like Succession and Barry switched poles almost, whereas Succession was closer to a comedy and Barry was closer to a drama, probably, even though they were billed as opposites, and don't get me wrong, Barry had his funny moments still in Succession, obviously still in some crazy shit, but the humor was always there and i think it really helped especially to sell this idea of like this is the worst of first world problems right the worst thing that's going to happen to most of these people is they're going to wind up with hundreds of millions instead of billions of dollars you know it's there's you know don't cry for me argentina or whatever it's not it's not really relatable to a normal human but that's why i think it's so good that they at least treated each other so terribly it made it entertaining yes and they had just some great zingers and one-liners and 
Yeah. I mean, that 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 was apparent in season one and they carried it all the way through. Let's move on to season two. What jumps out of you uh, at you, Mills, worthy of discussion here as we as we head over to season two? Let's save the, the finale there for the kind of the end of the season two discussion a little bit. It's also towards the end of the season, but everybody having to testify is one of the things that jumps out at me. And also, I think the premiere we mentioned already with, uh, you know, Logan pulling Kendall out of rehab basically after not even two days. So I did think it was a season that, you know, ended very strongly, started very strongly, maybe a little bit slack in the middle, but they had a lot of momentum coming out of season one i think they they carried most of it you're right uh kendall's like sleepwalking through the first few episodes and logan's putting him in his place like remember when he makes him shut down volter yeah that was his baby right that was like his thing and he's got to go in and personally tell the employees and the way he just reads that statement and everything he is broken basically yeah for sure the whole season broken more or less he is and you start to see that control and that psychological abuse that this family leans on and it's learned behavior, and they all do it. Another interesting thing here, and, and obviously this plays into how the show ultimately ends, is we see Tom, right? Tom, you know, aspiring for the top spot. Um, we see that he wants it. We see no one took him seriously time. either. No one took him seriously. Funny. Most of the people, Carl gets like his best, I, don't, I forget if it's in four or, or season four or season two, but Carl, when I think it's in season four, but, you know, it just no one has any respect when everyone's like sitting in the, the old heads are talking about who's going to throw their hat in. And Tom kind of like, well, maybe I could. And everyone's like, you? The negative case would go, you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked. So there's a little bit of irony, but here you do see like how just ambitious he really is. Even Shiv was just like, you know, because I think he makes a comment like, well, you know, it could be me. Yeah. And and it's it's just it's so funny because, you know, obviously that's where it goes. But no one. And I, and I, I kind of like that. Looking back, I kind of like that they made him. You never even thought it could be him. And then it ends up being him. And basically seasons one, two and three, you had no real thought of it being Tom Wamgams. But then. It does. We also see Logan's attempt to buy Pierce here, the first attempt, and that's a that's a pretty big runner that ran for multiple episodes, including into episode uh, season four, um, where they where they come back around with the with the with the merger. So um, where they try to buy again, the kids do. So I think that was pretty pretty big storyline there. Well, there's a lot of moving parts on that one, right? Because you have the whole thing with Naomi. And yes. uh, her and Kendall, or they have a thing. And then you got uh, the lawyer, I forget her name, played by Holly Hunter. And she basically like backstabs the Pierces, right? And I think she starts sleeping with Logan at one point. Yeah. So there's she does. a lot of a lot of shit going on there. And that's when uh and that's what caused Marsha to disappear. Like Marsha f- freaks out. We don't see Marsha for basically until Logan's death. You know, yeah, she mean, goes almost yeah, for that's I think even she's just a you know credit only for the most of the rest of season two after that. And most of three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the end of her being a regular. I think I think she was just probably, you know, a special guest or a guest star uh, yep. in season three and four. One of the conditions for the sale, right, was that uh, Shiv was going to be named CEO. And Logan told her in private, you know, it's going to be you, but you, you got to do all this three years of prep and all this shit or whatever. But then he never backs her publicly. And I think that definitely you know, impacted the way Shiv dealt with things going forward and quite possibly even her decision to stab Kendall in the back at the end because, you know, it's 
her dad did it to her. I mean, that's, you know, if she's really trying to say, what would Logan do? Probably stab Kendall in the back. Mel's, you're the mathematician of the show, so I'll let you do the math on this. But we do get Connor. We get Connor beginning his presidential campaign. Mel's, what does that equate to in in money spent for his uh, for his one percent? I believe he spent uh, you know a hundred million dollars per percent, so just the the one percent. And uh, so he paid a hundred million dollars to be an ambassador to Slovenia, I think, while his wife stays home. Oh. I don't I don't know about that one, man. I'm, there might be some buyer's remorse. <laughs> uh, he probably does have like a solid like ten thousand followers on Twitter or something. That like he's, you know, hey, man, he's got the con heads. He's got the con. There's heads. like legitimately two thousand, maybe you know, probably eighty percent bots, twenty percent actual con heads. So you know, he's got yeah. like two thousand people. So yeah, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It's you know, a little bit of money, fifty thousand per person or what have you. But yeah, and there's the mathematician. Mills. On top of that, we also get Roman and Jerry. We see they're strange, but. I don't know if intriguing is the right, right word. Let's just call it weird uh, kind of relationship. It's, it's, I never really understood it. It's kind of like this weird, I don't even know what, what, what Pornhub would classify this relationship as, but it definitely was interesting and at times downright hilarious. And we also see that becoming a thing uh, in, in season three and season four, it gets brought up obviously uh, when the dick pics come to light with Roman and then obviously his continuous uh kind of egging on jerry and then ultimately his firing her and then pursuing the company so that's kind of a big deal i think you really covered everything that happens because you are right i never really understood it i, I could see where jerry maybe played along a little bit even if a a little bit intrigued maybe b like she knew down the road this was going to probably work out in her favor no idea what rome got out of it and i think this is maybe where you know, they tried to keep his sexuality and his whole deal kind of ambiguous. And I think in this case, it hurt him a little bit because it was just so weird that it, it, it maybe, you know, they, they could border over to creepy more than funny sometimes. And that just uh, didn't totally work for me, really. Well, I mean, he, he did his best in his Roman way to kind of make it funny, taking something absolutely weird, not appropriate at all and, and make it funny. That's kind of what Roman does. But, yeah, it was it was an odd one. Uh, we, we talked about it in season one, but obviously the cruise scandal continues. You mentioned it earlier, but dude, the, the Congress scene with the testifying, that's that was one scene that I when I realized like the reach this show has inside its own universe is huge. The fact that we've got like a, a Congress testifying scene is awesome. And then that kind of gives you a hint at where, you know, maybe they could go on election night. Right. And we see it eventually in season four. So I thought that was really cool. And it was hilarious because. I don't know, man. How would you describe Tom's performance? I, I believe Charles Barkley said it best. Terrible. Yeah, dude, he he bombed. Everyone was pretty bad. Cousin Greg like tried to talk all weird so he wouldn't get himself in trouble. Kendall was like, I don't remember anybody really particularly performing well there, but it no, didn't really no matter. Does. You got the idea that all they had to do was basically not admit to it under oath. Like, just don't say you ordered the code red, basically. That was all they had to do, I think. And so, you know, bare minimum. And we didn't mention it before, but, you know, we talked about Greg here. We did see him start to form that bomb with Tom in this season. It's kind of the origin of the Disgusting Brothers. If way back in season two, you had told, said, all right, someone on the show is going to be the Disgusting Brothers. How shocked are you that Roman isn't one of them? Yeah, Roman is, Roman defines Disgusting Brother, you know, so that that was kind of uh, uh, interesting how they chose that. But it worked so well with Greg and Tom, though, too. So it's kind of, 
you know, you could, I guess it could be like a, a disgusting brothers or something, but yeah, we'll, we'll save it for the animated spinoff for the disgusting brothers. Uh, yeah. Like disgusting trio. Yeah. And get Roman in on it. You know, he, uh, you know, why not bring him in? I guess we have to talk about the finale. You know, they keep wanting to pick it. Well, before scapegoat. we do though, b- before we do, I just wanted to mention, I know we talked about, you know, uh, Ken's kind of, kind of brokenness and it's never fun to see somebody who's clearly hurting abuse drugs, but that did lead to some interesting things and some funny shit as he continues his drug use throughout this season. And it kind of also added to just how, how just the overall depth of this character. And so I did appreciate that. And then ultimately we kind of get the curveball at the end where, where, where I'll let you take it uh, with that, with that final episode. All the time, you know, they're searching for who's going to be the scapegoat or whatever. And more or less, Logan sets it up. He says, all right, you know, Kendall's going to be the guy. And then you get that final scene when he, big conference, he's supposed to fucking do it. And nope, he fucking. The truth is that my father is a malignant presence, a bully and a liar. And he was fully personally aware of these events for many years and made efforts to hide and cover up. My father keeps a watchful eye over every inch of his whole empire. And the notion that he would have allowed millions of dollars in settlements and compensation to be paid without his explicit approval is utterly fanciful. Logan told him, look, you're not a killer. That's why I'm not didn't give you the job. You're not a killer. So he finally does and does the kill thing. And I think the season just about ends and Logan, he does that little thing. You can't like, it was just like almost a glint in his eye and just a little twitch of a smile that like, he's obviously fucking pissed, but on some hand, this is like maybe one of the first times actually respecting him for doing what he would have done. And that keeps coming up, especially after Logan passes, what would Logan have done? They might as well, you know, bought the damn bracelets or whatever. Yeah. The answer is usually kill. WWLD. WWALD. And dude, I, we just, we can't not say it, but that was a crazy ending, especially considering we ended up waiting two years basically to find out what happens mm-hmm. next. So uh, just the way it played out with, with COVID and whatnot, like that was kind of a, kind of a crazy thing. That brings us to season three. Thrice, real name, no gimmicks. I'm not going to lie here. One of the most, uh, most vivid memories I have of season three was how long it took to arrive. As I just mentioned, Almost two years, dude. Like that was brutal, and especially interesting because the episode picks up immediately where season two ended. Yes, you know sometimes there's usually a little bit of a time jump. Like, nope, that began the point where Succession just basically slowed down the clock as far as how much time they were going to cover as far as the show. I mean, the final season, I don't even takes two weeks. Yeah, so that was I think when this started. Uh, I don't know, man. Season three, again, very good uh, premiere, outstanding fucking finale. Uh, where do you want to start? It's just excellent. They're really hitting here. I guess let's start at the top. We, we, we get Jerry as kind of the interim CEO. And this kind of put her on a new level for me in terms of importance of character and also within the game. For the first time, I felt like maybe she had a legitimate chance of 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 kind of being a player here right and i think that was kind of important to the overall intrigue of how will this thing shake down because they built they did such a good job building who's gonna who's gonna win right and this this kind of put jerry in the conversation of maybe she could win yeah i'm trying to remember was frank still out at this no season three by the beginning of season three he's back in right so i I think he is yeah 
It's always something Frank and Jerry just keep coming and going. It's almost like they should have been Tom and Jerry. <laughs> oh, gosh. We get a big war with uh, with Shiv and Kendall. Um, obviously, he ruins her speech with the rape me scene. That's something I'll always remember. As he that is one of my highlights Nirvana. of the, the show. Still. Yes. It, well, it, what's so great about it, and again, incredible writing, she's on stage to talk about the you know sexual assault in the workplace and and standing up for it, and he just crushes with the rape me thing. Uh, what do you have his assistants all holding up Bluetooth speakers or whatever the hell it was? I forget. Yeah, he he, he he tried to get into the the intercom, couldn't. So then he just gets big ass speakers and they're just holding them up, dude. You know, great Nirvana tune there, and yeah, it's very fitting. Uh, but then we also see from that we see this battle, right? And and honestly, it was the foreshadowing because Shiv gets the last punch. You know, obviously in the the series finale, is she doesn't allow Kendall to win. But even there, she counter punches because remember, Kendall's gonna go on that show where they're always making fun of him, and this is him thinking he's, like, real cool and relatable, right? He's going to go on this yes. show and wow people. And then Shiv releases that letter, just basically just putting all his secrets out there, and he's just, like, again, it looked like Broken. he was starting to, to come back up a little bit. This is He was excited for this, and that just is like, like, oh, shit. That was a punch to the gut, for sure. I loved both of those. I thought that was great. The other thing I really remember for this season is – that episode where basically after, well, first you have the whole ATN thing where Logan gets pissed at the White House. So he tells them they have the negative coverage. So then the president's like, well, fuck it. Now I'm not even going to run again. Then they get the episode where they more or less get to pick the presidential candidate. I think that was set up well by the DC episode in season two. They go down there. I think it's uh, season three, episode six. And just in a room, right? And they're basically picking the president. And it's just wild. Like even... At times, some of them, all the kids kind of comment, like, wow, this is this is kind of nuts, right? Like, and that's yeah. where uh, Roman kind of, you know, becomes boys with Lincoln. I like that they slow rolled us a little bit into just how much political shit would be involved in the show, which I think was cool because they didn't overwhelm it and didn't make it a political show or a political satire. They slow rolled us a little bit with, with Shiv and her DC connections and Nate and then you realizing the power of Logan being able to control the narrative to, to in broker, you know, getting some heat off him with the president. So I like how they did it like that. And you just see like the control and the, the influence, I think is the word I used earlier. That's, that's really spot on that they had when it came to, to politics in this country. So, and it reminds you of maybe, you know, other major uh, news, not too far off from maybe the, the way news uh, some certain news, shit works in our country today. So I, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, certain personalities and, and networks have their own political gravity, I guess you'd call it. One thing that I didn't love from the season is it, it finally wraps up towards the end with the whole Cruz's scandal. You have the thing where Tom's like, all right, I'm going to step up. And he tells Logan, all right, I'll be the fall guy. And then he spends the whole season bitching about his decision only to get bailed out in the end. And that, I think, hurt Tom's character a bit, at least... Maybe they wanted to take him lower to make him the CEO, but he really, I don't want to call him bitch boy, but it was bad for a lot of this season. You know, he chose to do that and then spent the entire season complaining about it. You know, it's like somebody volunteers right. to do, you do volunteer to do something and then complain the whole time you're doing it. It kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it, it almost became like a funny runner. Like, all right, Tom's going to think of some ridiculous shit to say about like prison life. And it, you know, it, it, you got used to it a little bit, but he did basically spend that. Uh, the entire time. Um, Mills, we do get 
we do get the introduction of Lucas Matson, right? So uh, Waystar wants to buy Gojo. We see that. Um, and, and obviously that runs its course all the way through till the final episode of the series. One thing I guess we should mention is the fact that Tom does this and he offers to be a martyr. I think he thought it was going to help him with Shiv, but it hurts him, right? It seems like she loses respect for him first for offering to be a martyr and then secondly for complaining about it the whole time. So I think that was definitely another, you know, roadblock or even just another, you know, destruction point in the relationship. If she wasn't a hundred percent sure, could she allow herself to want something just because Tom wants it? I don't think so. Right. That's like, she always has to kind of be winning. That's like a Roy thing. So yeah. Remember that weird scene where she like told him that she didn't love him. And then like, she tried to play it off as like some weird, like foreplay. Oh, thing. Yeah, no, like, I was just, yeah, I was just playing a character. That was some. Cause that was like really like she was just straight out like that was some yeah dude she, she went for the jugular bro and then she did, it was crazy and I think that again sets the the scene for ultimately how their relationship will play out in season four and then you had the bit obviously where you know Shiv's just kind of rebelling especially when she's pissed off at Logan backstabbing her and so when Caroline tells her not to have kids like and she didn't want to have kids always a great day for mom to you know tell the kids. So then Shiv tells Tom she wants to have children, not because she wants to have children because she wants them, but just basically to spite her parents, which is not a good reason to have children. And then you see in season four, Tom tells her, I don't think you'd be a good parent. So they kind of brought that around full circle quite nicely. Yeah, a lot of people forget Logan offered Kendall a $2 billion buyout. That was his birthday present, right? Like, yeah, as let's, his birthday let's talk about present. the birthday party, dude. Yeah, because he gets... So I was a huge fan of Ken Dog's birthday party. This is what I was like. I'm falling in love with Ken Hart here, dude. When they had is to it the walk... baby Wu Tang people or whatever was that? Yes, thing? dude. But they had to walk through like the fallopian tube thing, and it was so funny with Roman, dude, as they entered into this party, and he had like his tree up in the top, and no one was allowed in. Just absolutely ridiculous, dude. So absurd with ken he had the code who's going to do the whole rap thing like just absolutely ridiculous but it worked it was so funny those are my my takeaways man and obviously delivering the the buyout the birthday present we meet madsen at that party that's huge and yes again it's kind of roman right like i think roman gets in with him a little bit don't they have a little meeting because then they trash they oh roman pisses on the the phone right don't they open like the yes. the uh, the the atn or the streaming app or whatever and like he literally pisses on it or something like that that's he all. throws it in the he throws it in the urinal and pisses on it another random thing about the party that i'm just remembering is it was this really weird scene where like naomi like tries to give ken this gift and make it really special and it's a watch and he totally weirds out and he hates it and he doesn't hide it at all it was like the weirdest kind of thing like i don't know that's so Kendall, because then he weirds out because he can't find the gift from his daughter, right? Or right. Gift from his kids, and then he weirds the fuck out and then right. has to go home, I think, right? He doesn't even, like, stay right. for, the, for the whole party. Right, cancels his whole rap thing. Remember, he was going to come down on the on the thing. <laughs> Doing, like, the uh, man and red man. Yes. So that uh, pretty much sets up the finale, because then he starts spiraling, right? And then he almost dies in the pool, you know, the kids come together for the first time and he tells them about the waiter, Dodds and all that. And then they actually try to, to outsmart Logan, but Tom shivs them, right? Tom tells Logan what they're going to do to go to, and then he goes back to Caroline and like changes the divorce agreement, right? So again, Tom kind of, you know, making another move. The more we talk about this, the you know, the more I'm thinking like, man, we should have been, you know, not so surprised when it was Tom, maybe. 
Exactly. Because going back and looking at it, like, yeah, he he played the game pretty damn well, man, all things considered here. And at the time, you just kind of, I don't know how we were, there was just kind of like this blankness over him where you just didn't think it would be him. They And I guess the show, you got to give him credit. They did a great job on that, right? They didn't make it obvious. But looking back, it's like, yeah, he he positioned himself pretty well. We've already talked a lot about season four recently right here on Suck 10. But let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can tie this thing all together, Mills. Like a rug, like a like a nice rug, kind of uh, bring it all together. I mean, really tied it together. That's pretty much what we've been doing. Let's just go through the callbacks here again. You saw early in the season. I think that's maybe what we were hype about coming out of three. It's like, all right, now we're going to get the team up for the kids. We've never seen them really actually work together. We got that at the beginning of season three. Uh, despite the the hundred or whatever being like the worst fucking pitch I, I've ever heard, I, I like the whole bit with Pierce, and uh, uh, that's what I kind of wonder. That's a hanging Chad, right? Uh, theoretically, they're still supposed to buy Pierce when the series is over together, aren't they? Yeah, they have probably a binding agreement that they're supposed to buy that together. I'd love For to $10 know how million dollars. I'd love to know how that's going to fucking work out. I guess that could be the sequel. Actually, it worked out, right? Because they overbid, but then they got Madsen to overbid. So they actually, I think, wound up with the dough to do it. Hey, I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of a ruling class, especially since I rule. And I was just going to address basically the, you know, the, the dead elephant in the room. Logan dies in three. We get that great meeting at the end of two where uh, it's also a nice scene where the kids all take Connor out for a drink or whatever the, the night before his wedding and they go to like Connor wants to go to a bar where people have blood in their hair or whatever the fuck it was this very weird description of the bar you want to go to then they go upstairs and Logan meets him and you get that great final like you know you are not serious people he loves them but they're not serious. But they're not serious people I'm okay with it and, and honestly I don't think I can handle just kind of one scene with him I want to look at like the last couple like that scene in the um that scene in the diner with Colin I think was really an important piece to kind of Logan's last run, if you will, uh, the last of Logan. I just think that phonetically works, but it, it's like the, that whole thing, like that was important. Um, and then him kind of wandering around the park like that, as he just kind of walked and, and, you know, like those kind of things, I think were, were the good final moments for me to, to be okay with Logan dying the way he died. I just love that. They were kind of their, the best pals at the end. But you get the idea they were best pals in like, a, you know, 1950s way where your best pal meant like you would go on a fishing trip together. You'd sit on a boat next to each other and, and speak like 10 words to each other over five hours. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of just old school, like you're friends, but that doesn't mean we talk. It just means we're in near proximity a fair amount. Right. Right. We do things together, but we don't really talk. Hey, Colin was your boy too. Uh, you know, I, like I think Colin. we'll uh, address the the characters a little bit, but I didn't remember him being that prominent in the first, you know, in the first couple of seasons. Really, I knew he was kind of around, but I don't remember remember really talking very much or anything, or Logan addressing him that often. He was just kind of muscle. He was it, he just kind of seemed like muscle for Logan. But so, but but apparently he was in more you know more episodes than we realized. Yeah, I mean, hey, being in the uh, the background counts. Let's move on to Shiv because the, I got to ask you a question. If she wasn't pregnant in real life, do you think they would have still made her pregnant in the show? Did it do enough? Looking back on it with the, you know, her mom telling her not to, and then her telling Tom she wanted to. Yes. I think thematically that, that makes sense, especially as a through line. The, these kids have all these parents issues. It made sense that one of them would have a kid because none of the others. Oh, I guess Kendall does. I forget, but you know, we don't just don't associate them with much, but it doesn't surprise me. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think, it, and I think I, it paid off. I think Shiv being pregnant added enough to this season, enough suspense, enough backstory, enough shit with her and Tom. And it also maybe just maybe influenced her decision at the end. That's, you know, so that's, that's kind of, in several decisions she made throughout the entire season, right. As she was kind of playing both sides of the fence uh, with Matson and, and, and Roman and, and Ken. So I think it paid off her being pregnant. Keep going on what you just said. What do you think about the ultimate decision for her to work against Kendall and Roman? Do you think it was justified, especially because it really didn't work and she didn't pay a price for it, right? They basically just let her off and team back up with her. I don't think she needed to, but I think she did. Like she did the ultimate Roy. Like she basically said, okay, I can't stand. If I can't win, I don't want them to win. A, if I can't have it, I don't want Roman or Kendall to have it. B, I could vote for Tom and just kind of go down that path and at least kind of win. And I think that's what what really, you know, kind of played into her her mindset at the end. Yeah, and let's just kind of talk about the the Tom and Matson of it all. I don't know that anybody necessarily had, you know, Matson gets the deal to go through with Thomas CEO on their bingo card at the beginning of season four. But the more we talked about it, the more it makes sense. Uh, Tom part, I think we're okay with, right? I'm okay with it. It's not what I personally, what my heart wanted, but I think it works. Your heart wanted Kendall, I'm assuming. Who does your head think would have been the right move? What they did. (laughs) It's probably close. I would think it's probably, if it's just going to be a pure puppet, I think Tom is the move. If they wanted someone that's like a little puppet, but has a little bit life, then probably one of the old heads, probably Jerry or Frank would make the most sense ultimately at the end of the day, even if they're just a placeholder. Though I do think Shiv could have, I do think they could have made it spin with Shiv too. I I think she could have potentially done it, but I think Ken was, I think Ken had it, man. When Ken's on, dude, Ken's on. Like he, he can do it, man. He can do the thing when he, when he wants to. I can be whatever you want me to be, champ. I'll make your dreams come true. Oh, he can. Do you make it, do do a turn, do a spin. There you go. Make it sexy. Let's go. He got those moments in season four. We haven't really touched on the funeral. But that scene with Roman was crazy. And I did love all of Logan's old, uh, you know, his lady sitting up front. The, all the imagery in that was there. But uh, when Roman breaks down. <laughs> Is he in there? Yeah. Yeah. Get him out. That was amazing. And then Kendall comes in, give that speech. A shout out, Ewan. Uh, you know, I thought all of that was really well done and living plus that was definitely the highlight of that episode i think when kendall yes oh you know he's got the he's got his prepared notes and he just throws them to the wind right and just kind of like he's got the jacket and right before he goes out there roman caves and tells him he's not going to do it right so he's got to battle through that and he still goes out there and that's when i think he realized i kendall roy myself can do this and be the guy he almost needed roman to like flake out on him so he could do that you know i want to go back to mattson like, we didn't touch on him a, a ton here. He won. Do you think he paid off his character? Do you think they did enough with him? You know, I'll always see that character as Eric the Vampire from, from True Blood. I just, I'm sorry, Alexander Skarsgård. Like, I'll just, that's how I see you. So every time you're, like, lurking around, I see you as, like, okay. You know, like, I just, that's how I see you. So to me, it was it's weird to see him in this. But do you think it was good? Like, are you happy with Madsen? Yeah, I think he did a good job. He's kind of, you know, they're giving him a cross of both 
some fictional stuff and some real life stuff leading into like a little bit of the Elon Musk and that kind of thing. And I like how he plays it that you don't know if he's really that smart or not. Like sometimes he seems really aloof and he likes the drugs and partying and everything, but he also seems he won. He got away with the subscriber number of things. It kind of gives you the idea that maybe he is a little bit like Kendall, but maybe he's got a little bit of the goods to back it up to something like that. And as far as typecasting, I get what you're saying. Never saw True Blood, so I didn't have that problem here. But I did have a problem in uh, the, the I think it was the third Pierce Brosnan, James Bond, where uh, Denise Richards plays a nuclear scientist, because to me, she was still the chick from Wild Things. The pool scene, that's all we got to say. That pool scene in Wild Things was the heat. Shit, dude, I guess we got to talk about the election, right? I mean, that, that was a crazy episode, was it not? I mean, that's that's way up there for me. We really don't know how that turned out. Like, maybe Menken was the winner. But one thing I love that we got, though, is we got the influence of what ATN and that family could do. And I think that's what they needed to deliver. And they were they were kind of showing it all along, you know, from all the political shit that wrapped itself into the show. And they delivered that for me at the end with, with the election episode. Yeah, I enjoyed the election episode. And I like at the end of the day, I think it was pretty true to life that Macon does all this. You know, you got a deal. Roman, you're my boy. And then as soon as it's expedient for him to do so, he's got an advantage when he stabs him right in the fucking back. Zero hesitation. Just like Logan Roy would have done it, I'm assuming. You know, you could have maybe said, oh, it's a little su- you know, sudden or out of left field. But I think it was definitely on par for the dude who, you know, as far as Macon was presented. And overall, generally, what we know of politicians these days. Ain't that the truth? Well, shit, man, let's lighten things up just a bit here. Math is always fun, right? I mean, Mills, you are the mathematician. Go ahead and hit us with some numbers. I got all numbers. Let's do some rankings. Those are my favorite kind of numbers. Uh, We'll start with the openers and the finishers. We need closers. So what we've done is we've ranked the four season premieres and the four season finales. We'll start with the season premieres. At the bottom, number four, we have Celebration, the season one premiere. At number three, we have the Summer Palace, the season two premiere. At number two, we have the Monsters, the season four premiere. And at number one, we have Secession, the season three premiere. We were pretty close on most of these. I was higher on uh, season three than you were as far as the the premieres. I did love that. Just, you know, again, how it picks right back up after two and you got Logan doing all the, the, you know, the uh, management in the car and everybody and trying to get the lawyers, all that kind of thing. Very good. And I I should note that we were definitely the lowest on celebration by far. So kind of interesting that the pilots at the the very bottom, I guess. Uh, Not necessarily that the pilot was bad because it wasn't at all. It's just the other ones were just, like the bar got set really high here, man. As the show went on, it just started just becoming better and better and better and better. Yeah. And we definitely had kind of a uh, season three and season four premieres on their own tier with, yeah. you know, two being in, kind of in the middle and then one being down a fair bit, but again, not bad or anything. I don't think there's ever been a bad episode of succession. That brings us to the season finales at the bottom. Surprisingly is uh, with open eyes, the season four finale, the series finale. It surprised me, but as I was doing this, I realized that's my number four. Hard to, it's hard, right? But it is like I, the one thing I could say is I, I know we could say without even hesitating, it's not the best episode in its own season. Yes. Whereas this kind of gets into like you know an, an NBA 
MVP who's never won the finals or some guy who's finals MVP, but he never made an all-star team or something. Like, how do you kind of, you know, judge apples to oranges? And, and it's probably a victim of its own success because it's in a season with, you know, Connor's wedding, uh, America decides the election. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really good shit um, episode wise. So I think it's, I think it's a little bit of, it's, it's a victim of its own success of the season. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, at three, we have Nobody is Ever Missing. That's the season one finale, although I will say that was definitely my favorite episode of that season. At two, we have the season two finale. This is not four tiers. And at number one, we have All the Bells Say. That is the season three finale. We were both extremely high on the season three and season two finales. Yeah, it, it, you know, also quite very. They were these were all really close. I mean, we all have these are all like a a plus episodes of television, so there is not much separating all of them. We should point out we were we were in the high nines on basically all these. I mean, you know, all these were nine plus plus episodes. So right, yeah, we're so talking a, great a, a, a plus. Here. Yeah, that's uh, that, that was the, the good stuff, man. You can honestly say that Succession, whatever order you want to rank them in for. You know their their hit rate on season finales is about as high as any show I can think of. Because at bare minimum, they're four for four. Yeah, exactly. You got to go five for five, right? You got to go at least five for five to to even be in the conversation to be better. Man, that's a perfect segue because you know what? Let's stick with the rankings. I want to get into our character discussion, and I think doing our character rankings is a good way to get that done, buddy. To make this easier, we kind of broke the characters up into two groups. You have the characters who appeared in at least 10 episodes and then everybody else. We're going to start with the characters who appeared in less than 10 episodes. Not really a ton of criteria here. We just more or less picked our favorites. At number 10, we have Sid. At number 9, we have Oscar. At number 8, we have Lawrence Yee. At number 7, Ron Peckis. Shout out Stephen Root. At number six, we have Naomi Pierce. At number five, we have Peter. Peter Munyon, who is actually like a big-time CEO, but you wouldn't know it by the way he acts. At number four, we have Nan Pierce, despite her only appearing in three episodes. At number three, we have Abba. She's getting paid someday, plus she's got a bunch of blood if she ever needs it. At number two, we have Sandy with an eye furnace, played by Hope Davis, not the old Sandy, the, the young female Sandy. And at number one, we have Ewan Roy, who I thought was great, extremely awesome, really killed it every time he was on screen. We both had him very high at him at one. You had him at two. A little bit of differentiation on Naomi. You had her at one, Jamie G. Why was she your favorite? Well, you know, I think she just, she played such a critical role in kind of that stretch where Ken was weird. And I just, I really enjoyed kind of her and Ken. She gave some, some confidence and some hope that like, Hey, maybe Ken can like walk away from all this and not be what he thinks he's destined to be. I I just, I really enjoyed a lot of the scenes with her in it to be, to be candid. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's probably about the same logic we had for, uh, for Nan Pierce, right? She was always just, I liked the way she always acted like, she was like the good, nice little lady, but then she had, you know, a little bit of that Logan in her on the sly. I always thought yeah. that that was really great. And, uh, you know, shout out Peter, who is my stealth MVP. 
in the finale, if nothing else, for his cheese. That man has some very special cheese. And they did a good job, obviously, with getting some supporting characters around Matson because we both had Oscar and Ebba here. Now, it's time for the big time, the overall edition of the Roy Rankings. These are characters who appeared in it least 10 episodes uh we got a clear top eight so that's what we're gonna go with at number eight our man frank at number seven jerry at number six kendall at number five shiv at number four tom at number three greg at number two roman and number one with a bullet, number one for both of us, Logan Roy. I don't think that's surprising, nor am I surprised that you had K-Dog at two. You know, I, he just he just slowly kind of became one of my favorite characters, if not at times my favorite character. All the Roy kids were, were great. Um, you know, obviously I enjoyed Tom. Cousin Greg will always be there. And as, you know, Kendall says, uh, why is Greg here? You know, Roman always finds himself asking himself the same question. It's... Uh, it's it's amazing how well Greg did, considering uh, where he starts episode one. It's really a universal question, I think, that we all so, ask ourselves. Uh, I will point out, I had Matson at four. You didn't put him anywhere near your top ten. Just, just not your guy. You still think of him as a true blood dude? Can't get over it. I do, and that and that's and that's a me problem. So don't. I wasn't a big fan of Matson. Like I, he had his moments, but for me, privacy, I, I pussy, pasta. I mean, that was his best quote, but outside of that, he just didn't do much for me. I think he just, and it was probably the point, but I, I don't know, man. I, he didn't pay off for me as the character I wanted. Fair enough. And I'll point out that I was also a lot higher on Hugo. I had him at eight. Shout out Fisher Stevens. I love him and everything he does. He's always awesome. I don't, he got per capita. I think he got the most laughs. I'm not saying he was the most confident or anything, but almost anytime he was on screen, he just kind of had that weird energy, a little bit kind of nervousness and it, it always paid off for me. So shout out Hugo. Yeah. Hugo, Hugo's great. I, I definitely enjoy Hugo. And even at the end, man, woof, woof, baby. I mean, he, he, he was happy with those scraps. Killing it. Let's move into our character discussion. Let's start with any supporting characters that we want to highlight, uh, especially ones that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I definitely think we should probably at least mention uh, Rava and the kids. I did like when Kendall was making his move, how he set up shop in Rava's apartment for an episode or two. I did enjoy that, how she was just kind of really annoyed with him all the time. You know, we didn't really get a ton of development for the from the kids. It, it, you know, it was fine. So her relationship with Rava was kind of his relationship with Rava was kind of a big deal. I mean, let's not forget they banged in like one episode early on where for a minute it looked like maybe they were getting back together. Like people forget, like they actually had like a, a hot and heavy moment where they banged. Like that was so much happens in the show where you kind of forget about that. But I think it, it definitely important to mention her. And I thought Rava did a great job kind of separating like you are not a normal person. Your family's fucked. I cannot raise my kids or be in this toxic environment. And she was right. You know, as much as I love Ken Dog, she was right. Yeah, definitely. Really haven't probably said too much about like, I guess we mentioned Marsha, Caroline. I probably haven't said any, anything about Carrie. Any thoughts on uh, the, the women of Logan Roy at all? Just that I really enjoyed that the funeral scene where, you know, Caroline, the ex-wife came and she, like, this was my Carrie and introduces Marsha to 
you know, the woman that, uh, you know, Logan was cheating on her with. And so I kind of enjoyed that they all kind of came together. And I, I give Marsha a lot of credit because at the end she put her hand on top of Carrie's hand. And that was kind of a, it was kind of a, it was kind of like a, I don't know, man, that took a lot of stones to do that. So I, I enjoyed them all kind of coming together. The Carrie relationship was really weird. Remember that one episode where they were like, he was like, what was he? He was eating like some berry or some shit that made him more fertile. And everyone was convinced he was trying to get Carrie pregnant so he could just screw over all the kids and just give it to whoever the new kid is. Like, you know, it's just, uh, it was a weird thing, but. You know, yeah, her it, trying out like her, her audition tape that everybody was uh, sending oh around God. the company and making fun of. That was funny. I, I I did appreciate that. And how Logan had to play that was hilarious, too. Yeah, uh, let's see who else haven't we mentioned. Uh, Jess? It, shout out Jess. She was always fun. She definitely could get a better job, 100%. And then I like, he just replaced her with new Jess. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even get a name, yeah. so just shout out new Jess, whoever you were. You know, we talked about um, Ray Gerald just a little bit, but, you know, that was kind of an interesting play. Um, how that how that shakes itself together and then I guess just Stewie and Sandy they're kind of jumping out here we we they, they played a pretty significant role like Stewie found himself like with hand multiple times throughout the series so that's pretty impressive they were basically the board member version of Frank they were just really good at that like putting their thumb in the air and figuring out which way the wind was blowing so even had the the, uh, the great quote about how no matter what I'm just going to be on whatever side is going to win definitely held true to that and uh, Connor and Willa, we have not said a lot about them. I guess Connor was always kind of the, you know, the lesser child, whether that's cool to say or not. It was just dealt that way. I did really love Willa. She is definitely one of the biggest winners of the entire show, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, dude, she, let's see, she gets the freaking, she gets Logan's, what does he have, a triplex or something? Like, ridiculous house in in manhattan she you know uh she gets that for 55 million dollars that she didn't have to pay for she gets to stay there redo it uh go back into her acting shit while connor has to go to slovenia yeah i'd say she she made out okay for being a call she was a call girl when this thing started i mean she was literally an escort to to that yeah i'd say she's doing okay yeah literally had to get married on the day that logan died yep Give Connor credit. He was right. If they hadn't got married that day, they probably wouldn't have. That's probably true. And I, I guess this is as good a time as any to mention uh, some interviews with the cast that, that have recently come out. Mills, man the news desk for a minute, will you? Yeah, we had a Kiernan Culkin appearance on a podcast, and apparently he hadn't even seen the finale, so he started asking about the scene where they fight uh, during the, the board meeting when they go kind of into that side conference room, and apparently they shot a bunch of different takes of that where they were actually really physically fighting a lot more. And originally, uh, Shiv was supposed to be kind of involved in that, but they couldn't pull it off because uh, Sarah Stook is pregnant in real life, so there are limitations there. And they usually don't like to act or to uh, rehearse this, especially Kiernan, Culkin, and uh, Jeremy Strong. So they actually did rehearsals for this and everything they said. But are you cool with it, the way it went down, or would you have liked to see them get a little more physical? tense when he like grabs him and like freaking squeezes his skull like I, I i thought that was fine i didn't i didn't need anything more than that i agree i think it would have been a little bit over the top especially considering it's all these glass walls and everyone could see and everything i think that might have just been a bridge too far totally agree 
And the other thing was, you know, Jeremy Strong, we've talked about it. He is very famously a method actor, gets himself in the head of his character. And in that final scene, apparently, he just thought that at that moment, Kendall wanted to die. So he actually tried to, like, walk up to the railing. And Jeremy Strong said he didn't know, actually, like, he was just, you know, following the character or whatever. But I guess, theoretically, he might have jumped in if they hadn't restrained him and even though there's like no divers or safety or whatever so we both thought that was maybe what was going through kendall's mind so kind of any feelings on his, you know the actor at least more or less confirming that that's what he thought kendall's state of mind was well first of all he he portrayed it perfectly jeremy strong deserves so much credit for how he played kendall dude like like i don't you know method acting whatever it is um he absolutely crushed and you really i think that's why i'm such a huge kendall fan is because for better or worse man he did a great job showing us who like who ken is and that's cool he's a complex character too let's not let's be real so i think this just perfectly exemplifies that i will co-sign with that 100 you know i i think i know how this is going to turn out here but Let's do the damn thing anyway. It's time to rank the seasons of Succession. Even I can do this math because there's four seasons of Succession and Jamie G. Esquire the fifth. So I'm already ahead there. And we rank them from one to four. Magna Mills, take us away. Yeah, what you don't know is he's Jamie G. Esquire the fifth because he can only count to five because that's how many digits he has on his their hands. But thankfully, he's got all the digits. It's always good to have. At number four, no real surprise here, we have season one. And what I found to be a pretty big surprise is that we have season four at number three, season two at number two, and season three at number one. However, I will say when we average these out, the our number one season averaged to a 9.55. Our number three season averaged to a 9.45. So yeah. more or less, we have seasons two three and four in the same top tier in season one basically being in its own tier i think that's really the way to do it i don't know that there's an appreciable difference i guess i will say that i you were a bit higher like i had season two is my third favorite you had it as your favorite any reason two was your favorite three was outstanding and it's so we're splitting hairs here but i think two just had some moments in there that were bigger even though maybe three as a whole was better two had these big bold moments that just really kind of set with me and just made me fall in love with the show on a whole new level um and so i i kind of give it its due and because of how good it was i expected three to be great so maybe three doesn't get the credit it does because of the groundwork too late and i think that's probably where that ranking came from for me those three seasons are just so good and it, it is weird that season four fell but again we're talking by 0.05 i mean like the pennies we're talking about fractions of pennies yeah splitting hairs for the record imdb if you go by them they have it ranked um one at the bottom then two then three then four up top so basically in reverse chronological order they had it just getting better every season and it's hard to argue that it didn't you know shit man while we're here let's show a little love to the episodes themselves we already hit on the premieres and the finales, and we both gave Connor's Wedding, uh, the episode where Logan dies, a perfect 10 out of 10. So that's clearly our favorite. Uh, go ahead, buddy. Let's let's each give our top three episodes that aren't a premiere or aren't a finale and aren't Connor's Wedding. 
I am going to give you three, but I don't know if they're necessarily in this order. I can't. I got it down to three. That was hard enough. I have America Decides. That's season four, episode eight. DC. That's season two, episode nine. And Too Much Birthday. That's season three, episode seven. Basically, the election episode, the con- the congressional testimony episode, and Kendall's birthday. So, Jamie G, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I've got to go. Uh, America's just America decides. I think the election episode was just way up there. I really liked which side are you on Uh, season one, episode six. We talked about that a little bit earlier where you've got, um, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to get a a no vote and Connor, you know, I'm sorry, uh, Kendall's stuck in the car. Can't get there. That whole drama played out. I really enjoyed that. And then I'm also uh, with you on um, too much birthday. Ken's birthday was absolutely Awesome. That was a great episode. That 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 eked its way in there for me as well. That's what she said. It's time for the pros. Mills, when it comes to succession, which would you like to see the most? A prequel, a reboot, or a sequel? Technically, I would take a Disgusting Brothers animated series. I don't really care if it's a proper sequel or a spinoff, whatever you want to call it. And I would definitely be interested in a prequel about Logan Roy. I think that would be really interesting, kind of him coming up, building his empire, that kind of thing. I think that would be, you know, if we're going to do a kind of proper, like, you know, a better call Saul type of scenario or something like that, that that's what I would want. Uh, how about yourself? Dude, you're telling me Royce, like Roy star Logan in the eighties with all the cocaine and the crazy shit that could go on in the workplace. You're telling me that wouldn't be amazing as he rose to power and just like, had the world in his oyster before social media and shit when you could like get away with crazy stuff. Like, yeah, that would be a lot of fun to see. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing a movie sequel kind of, kind of like just show us, you know, where things are maybe five years from now. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, shows have struggled with that. Obviously. Sex like Al Camino or uh, Deadwood. Yeah. You've kind of seen that with some, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. And I understand Firefly. the hesitation, but I think it would be fun to, to to do it. Yeah, I would. I'd watch it. Yes, we would. And we always talk about what a crazy family the Roy's uh, are, and what a great cast of character this is, right? So let's have a little fun. If you could cast the Succession characters onto another show, who would they be? Oh man, I've been waiting to do this one for a minute because I wrote this back in the early part of season four. But I would like to do a little crossover with Arrested Development here. And, uh, you know, cast some of the succession members over there as part of the Blue family, maybe a little bit of the extended Blue family. I would make uh, Shiv. She would be Michael Bluth. Cousin Greg would be George Michael. Tom would be Lindsay Bluth. Roman would be Joe. Kendall would be Tobias. There, there might be a little bit of the controversy with that one. Jerry would be maybe. Connor would be Buster. Connor is definitely Buster, 100%. Frank would be George Sr., that one's a little tough, but I had to go there so I could make Lucille Bluth, Logan Roy. They're definitely the heads of the family. And just for a bonus, give me uh, Matson as Barry Zuckerhorn, the uh, lawyer played by Henry Winkler. Jamie G cast succession as somebody else for me. That's great. Well, you know, in honor of something we just did over on our other uh, podcast, Regular Dudes Watch Stuff, we just broke down an episode of Trailer Park Boys. So I'm going to I'm going to cast Succession as the Trailer Park Boys. 
so give me Ricky. I got to give Ricky Connor. They both kind of got that awkward, funny energy. Um, I think that could be really cool. Julian has to be K-Dog. That's Kendall. Sarah uh, is going to be Shiv. She's kind of the boss lady uh, for, the, for the young women in, in, in the world there. Lucy is definitely got to be Willa, 100%. It works out that Ricky's Connor. And then Bubbles. Bubbles is Roman all the way. And Logan, well, Logan's going to be the guy in the chair. Give me Ray. And then Jim Leahy will be Tom. And then Randy Bobandy will be Cousin Greg. We love the dialogue on Succession. It's probably our favorite part of the show, if not is our favorite part of the show. The problem is we like it so much that ranking all the quotes is basically impossible. Yes, we're insane, and we went through and raked a bunch of these. But, Mills, I got confused. I started seeing sideways. I can only count to five. How many are we going to deal with here? It says the guy who only had to take place in the uh, the final ranking and not the calling. Started out with about 300, got that down to 100, then went in hard, got it down to 50, ranked those. So now we're going to give you our absolute favorites. And it looks like we've got more or less a uh, clear top 15 here. So we're just going to move through these. Bang, bang. In a tie for 15 from Season 4, Episode 4, Honeymoon States, we have Carl. You're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now... You're just married to the ex-boss's daughter, and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked. Tied for 15th, we have a quote from Season 2, Episode 10. This is not for tears. And Kendall's asking the question we asked earlier. Could be anybody. I mean, why is Greg here? I always ask that question. At 14, from Season 1, Episode 6, which side are you on? Can I count on your vote for Team Future? I can promise you that I am spiritually and emotionally and ethically and morally behind whoever wins. At number 13 from Season 2, Episode 3, Hunting, we have Logan Roy. This was supposed to be choreographed. That's about as choreographed as a dog getting fucked on roller skates. At number 12 from Season 4, Episode 2, Rehearsal, we have Cousin Greg talking about Logan. It's like Jaws. If, if everyone in Jaws worked for Jaws. At number 11 from season one, episode five. What's your plan? Ever hear of loyalty? Sure. Wasn't he uh, one of the seven dwarves? Oh, boy. No? Uh, oh, he's a, he's a rapper. Was, he was in Wu-Tang? At number 10 from season three, episode seven, Too Much Birthday. We agree. It's our favorite Lucas Madsen quote. Privacy, pussy, pasta. Also, Tiger Woods' mantra through the mid-2000s. At number nine, from the pilot, season one, episode one, Celebration. I know that you've read a lot of books about business management and this and that, but you know what? What? Sometimes it is a big dick competition. Then we have a three-way tie at number six. First up is from season four, episode one, The Monsters. Congratulations on saying the biggest number, you fucking morons. Also tied at number six from season two, episode five, Turn Haven. Uh, would you like to hear my favorite passage from Shakespeare? Take the fucking money. And at number six from season one, episode five, I went to market. You have to have speakerphone etiquette. I'm, I'm in Canada. Excuse me? Canada? Canada with the healthcare and the ennui? Why is that, cocksock? <laughs> um... 
I'm I'm driving my grandpa down for Thanksgiving. Oh, Greg, fuck your grandpa. You, okay, you're on you're on speakerphone, Tom. Well, I shouldn't be, Greg. On to our top five from season two, episode one, Summer Palace. Well, sue me. Good luck. Sir, my lawyer used to work for the Justice Department. Who's your lawyer? Mr. fucking Magoo? At number four from season four, episode eight, America Decides. Tom likes himself some information. Information. No guarantee. Greg. It's like a bottle of fine wine. You store it. You hoard it. You save it for a special occasion. And then you smash someone's fucking face in one. At number three from season one, episode eight. Okay, okay. So the, does that mean we were able to fuck? Here? Yeah. Hey, Ken. What do you think of the pussycat? Want it? Uh, no, not me. Business is my fucking. Great. I'll find you a Bloomberg terminal to stick your dick in. At number two, from season two, episode nine, DC. You can't make a Tomlet without breaking some Greg's. You sent the same email to him 67 times in one evening. I guess it was a joke. <laughs> right. I wonder, uh, do the phrases human furniture or footstooling mean anything to you? Not that I'm conscious of. And at number one, from the series finale, season four, episode 10, with open eyes, Kendall Roy uttering the immortal words, Cunt is as cunt does. Any thoughts on those, Jamie G? Any, any surprises? We got a pretty good distribution throughout the seasons. Maybe season three was a little bit underrepresented, but that's about it. Look, man, this is such a massive undertaking. And honestly, I've said this a lot. This is probably the hardest show for ranking our quotes. I mean, it, Barry was very hard. This is very, very, very hard. We could do a 50-episode podcast breaking down our favorite quotes. Start at 500, do 10 per, and just do 50 episodes of it. Legitimately, that's how many there are. Yeah, and, and they're just all great. So, man, I, I'll tell you what. I think we could just keep going and going and going. But the show's got to end at some point. However, before we sign off, let's just talk about what Succession meant to us uh, and where it sits among our favorite shows of all time. I do have to say, I think it was an important show for HBO. They had kind of struggled, you know, other than Game of Thrones for a while. You had some some kind of partial hits like True Detective, but it seemed like they were really looking for something. And even though Succession never really caught fire from a rating standpoint, it's one of those things. If you get somebody into it, the hit rate is very high. They will wind up liking it. They will complete the series. I think it will bring people to HBO as time goes on. It really kind of you know, upheld the standards they've always had. And most importantly, got better as it went along, stuck the landing really, you know, you, you can't have anybody really complaining, you know, about a cop out, anything like that. So I think it did what it had to do. And I really enjoyed it, even though it took a, a minute to get into for me personally, glad I made the journey and I'm certainly going to, you know, rewatch it again at some point, maybe not, you know, necessarily right now, but not too long from now. How would you rank it in your amongst your? I mean, does it crack your top ten, Magnum Mouse? Without drawing it out, I don't know, but I would say it's no lower than like tier two. It's somewhere probably in that, and I don't even know what's tier one anymore. You have to kind of reevaluate. I think Succession is going to grade like if you did it numerically, I think they would grade very high again because they only ran for thirty nine episodes. They were all. I don't think there's a, a single dud in there, especially good with you know, 
series premieres, season premieres, season finales, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, definitely in my top 12, if I had to guess, probably no worse than top 15, I would say. And I'm not sure how big the tiers are. It's one of those, it fluctuates, man, especially with shows that are still ongoing. It's in the, I'm in that same range. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I probably higher on this show than most. I, I may, I may, you know, it, it probably will find its way into my top 10. Um, that's a big list. There's so much stuff out there. There's so much content, but I love this show, man. I just think it's, it's really complete. It's super good. It's concise. I give them credit. Not a lot of shows kind of don't take the bait and stretch it out five, six, seven seasons. They could have here. They didn't. Yeah. I think they, I think there's a pretty clear five. Um, let's just, uh, all right, we're about to get out of here, but just real quick, rapid fire succession or Barry succession. Succession or The Sopranos? Sopranos. Succession or True Detective? Succession. Succession or True Blood? Succession. But True Blood was longer and very, very, very good. But Succession for four. uh, True Detective season one is probably better than Succession, but you got to grade it as a a series. So it's, it's not. So it's kind of tough, but... Um, yeah, this, this, this one's way up there for me. So it's in your, probably your top, you know, even three HBO division, maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's some other shit in there, you know, obviously hot, hot D, uh, Game of Thrones is way up there. I mean, so Deadwood, The Wire, yeah. Deadwood, The Wire, yeah. I mean, those are, there's a lot there, but you know, I mean, shit, Deadwood was only what, three seasons? Three seasons in a movie. And we got kind of robbed on that. It's good. We'll, we'll just, we'll just, we'll leave it there. Uh, I think that just about does it. Sincere, sincere, sincere thank you to all the listeners and, and, and watchers out there. This has been so much fun to do Suck 10 this this last season of the show. Every week I enjoyed it, and we enjoyed getting the feedback from you guys. Thank you guys for being with us on this journey. 100%. And we're doing this, you know, both because we enjoy talking with each other about shows and everything, but just to get, you know, hopefully more people to watch succession and to interact about these shows in and, and this day and age, especially as more and more people get their stuff from different sources. It's hard to get people on the same page. There's a lot of, you know, game of Thrones was kind of the last maybe community show we'll ever have when you get that big of an audience, all watching it together at once. I really enjoyed the fact that the succession audience kept you know growing over time i'm expecting that more people will continue to find the show you know there might be people who are listening to or watching this in like 2028 or something and and that's kind of wild like i I hope i'm still alive in 2028 that seems like you know an an infinite time away and it seems like just yesterday succession started and especially season four that thing went by crazy especially considering the new thing where they drop you know three episodes on the opening night or some bullshit like that so yeah just thank you for sticking with us if you know if you've enjoyed anything in particular or if we did something that you really didn't like let us know it's the only way we're going to improve you know if you'd like to check out some of our other stuff that would be great if you enjoyed kind of our tone here it it carries over into most other things and you know overall i just have to say yeah just shout out the uh everybody that worked on succession incredibly well written well acted enjoyed every single part of it the the music especially that's probably uh one thing we didn't give a shout out to is this is way up there as far as all the musical accompaniment the theme the intro everything like that just 100 outstanding so you know thank you for watching and thank you all the people even the behind the scenes people the, the down to the fucking caterers everybody who made succession thank you
Yeah. Yeah. Good call, dude. The, 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 oh, we didn't talk about it, but that opening is like and Nicholas Patel just absolutely slay. Like everything is just even the, uh, so go, go on Spotify and listen to uh, Kendall Roy's, uh, the Logan Roy rap. It, it's there. It's on Spotify. It's on the season two soundtrack. Guys, I think that's a wrap on Suck 10. There's a chance that we might circle back to cover the episodes from the first three seasons at some point, but it wouldn't be for some time. So we hope that you enjoyed Suck 10. If you did, you'll probably enjoy some of our other content. Make sure you check it out. Mills will tell you everywhere that you can find it. On the YouTube, wherever you get your pods, easiest way, just search for regular dudes watch stuff on social media at dudes watch stuff you can also go to joeblowfootballshow.com brings you right to our youtube channel that's basically it don't don't forget those flaps you do sometimes but follow like and please subscribe again if you had fun give us that thumb really helps us out we greatly appreciate it that's it i, I sad to say i, I behalf of myself magna mills jamie g the real disgusting brothers, the only disgusting brothers still making new content. I, I don't, I'm maybe because of Greg has an OnlyFans. I don't know, but we're what you got. Thank you, and remember, can't make a Tomlin without breaking some grapes. Well, these hands aren't gonna fuck themselves, so yeah, get those new mechanical hands for that. Go get some Greglets. So don't try to run your mouth at the king. Just pucker up, bitch, and go kiss the ring. L to the OG, dude, be the OG, and he playing, playing like a pro.